brother-in-law's keeper. Yeah. Okay, we are live. It is uh, the 6th of February, and I am just praising God at how busy we are in my company, even though today we've got a man in New Zealand and a man with presumably the flu uh, in bed, and it was just elbows and kneecaps today, as busy as could be. Busiest I've seen in almost 20 years. And uh, it's a blessing. And a curse. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the study guide, but uh, I kind of uh, changed horses midstream. And if, if you got the old copy, then you don't know that uh, uh, I grabbed onto it and wanted to move from just going through First Timothy to going through both First Timothy and Titus. Now, of course, I'm probably three lessons ahead of you in the study guide right now, but um, that's what we're doing. There's such an amazing parallel I decided to put them together. Um, I think uh, a lot of that, I think that sound means my my wayward son-in-law might be here. Oh, yeah, there he is, and he's on the phone talking to his bookie. That's great. So, uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to jump into this with both feet, and uh, I'm excited about uh, something. I I I'll apologize right up front because I was just into the Greek over these past two weeks. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Greek, a lot of Greek, but uh, should be good stuff. And I think we'll see some, uh, some good things out of it. So let's, uh, let's jump in with, uh, I think lesson 49 is uh, what we're up to, right? 51. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah. Didn't we do 48 last week? Yeah, so we're on 49. Which is the chapter 1 of Timothy. 1st Timothy. Which is... Yeah. <laughs> 1st Timothy 1. What do you got there, bud? Oh, nothing. He's the only one. No, nothing but the, uh, the study guide that says 51. Well, yeah, I'm up to so 51 in the study guide. That's the one I'm on. No? Am I here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, so here's the deal. After we do lesson 48... Oh. Do lesson 49. I just ran off the last one that's on there. That's a big mistake on your part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unless I'm not up to speed. Uh, which um, must be the standard norm since you've been conditioned. Yeah, to yeah. just yeah. grab the latest yeah. one. I do appreciate the fact you got ahead here. That is very helpful. Thank you. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, 52 will get posted probably about lunchtime tomorrow. Okay. But we're on 49. 49. Yeah. 49. Yeah. 49. So, we're going back um, to do it, though. It was good. Yeah, so we'll, uh, thank you, that's very kind of you. Um, you know, I, I tried to give you a little bit of uh, review since we, we spent, uh, you, you, got a, you got a smartphone with you? You can just jump I on it. Yeah, I should, I we should pull that up. Yeah, jump to yeah. Minotaura and yeah. grab that thing and, and uh, scroll right down there. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm just so thrilled that you and I can have lunch together on the week that we do 52 because or 51 because you won't need to do it there it is all right so um try to get an idea of holy who these guys are and who paul is sending around to do some of the things that he's left with uh sopater uh, aristarchus secundus gaius timothy tychicus and trophimus and 
Look at that. I look, Paul is mentioned in 11 of Paul's letters. I meant Timothy. Mm. Timothy is mentioned in 11 out of 13 of Paul's letters. Um, once they got started, they were, they were very rarely apart. And uh, they had a, a relationship that's close to ours. I can assure you that. Because he circumcised him. <laughs> and I haven't even seen you in the shower yet. So, why does why does Paul call <laughs> Timothy his? I don't know the YMCA. <laughs> why why does Paul call Timothy his true child in the faith? Because he's a young man and Paul circumcised him. That's a very good answer. Is it the right answer? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of the way you were leading so, us. So we should move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because Timothy's mom is really Mary Magdalene. And yeah. Oh, le- all right. Let's not, let's, let's, not get, let's not go wild and crazy. Oh, wait. I think that's what we talked about later in the book of Timothy. Right. It's all the weird right. genealogies. Is that going to be in the Passion sequel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is right. coming up? So I think when you get to, uh, to Lesson 50, we're going to be, uh, as I said, we're going to bring... What are you doing? Of course it is. Um, so with lesson 50, we're going to be bringing Titus and first Timothy together. So they parallel so each other so well. I just brought it together in the, in the next lesson. So not to make you feel bad. Honestly, that in lesson 51. There you go. Yeah. Very um, so what you're going to see in the next lesson is that Paul calls Titus his true child in the common faith. And we know specifically that Titus is a Gentile, not unlike Timothy. We also know specifically that Paul did not circumcise him. Or at least didn't force him to be as of the writing of Galatians chapter 1. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's no evidence scripturally after that either. You can so only assume sometime around the, era of Pesach. What, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We can only assume, but... I think the true child thing, that's the first thing I went with. Well, I mean, it's child because he led him to the faith, perhaps. But true child, sure, because he circumcised him. I was kind of thinking too. But he uses the same phrase for Titus, whom he did not circumcise. So what's the difference? Well, and I was thinking too of like the the Proverbs description of a father being one that trains. Okay. That was kind of my thought. Training thing. Was like in, you know, in the like in the faith to your point, right? And so like study that the Gamaliel for Paul, but then Timothy being one that he just trained all the way through, almost as if you would say from infancy to yeah. maturity. Yeah. You know, having having been the influence going all the way through that life cycle. That Good. that was kind of my thought. Good. Is that the same thing with Timothy with Titus? Um, I was thinking more of the innocence that they didn't come with their own maybe dogmas, views. Okay. Okay. The result was they were more open to the gospel as it was presented without their and the own relationship life. he's talking about. Correct. Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes, sir. I don't know about Titus's family history. Um, Gentile, Gentile. Father, mother. But, uh, as opposed to Timothy, Timothy is was, because his father was a Gentile and known. But, but what's interesting about it is it, his father doesn't appear in the story, really. At all. 
which kind of makes it seem either he died or that he was absent otherwise. Um, I don't know what the situation is with Titus. They, my interpretation would be like they were, they were probably both much younger than mm-hmm. Paul. I think so. And that Paul sort of played a like a fatherly Father role, role yeah. for them. Almost like young guys that don't have a father figure. Right. I mean, it's, and it's not unusual in sort of a in a rabbinic system mm-hmm. for an older guy to take on sort of a fatherly Absolutely. role. Absolutely. The, the, the true model of discipleship. Right. I mean, that's the, that's, I mean they're, they're acting very fatherly in that role. And then um, on top of that, in, in modern Orthodox Judaism, the um, responsibility for teaching the children is a communal one. Yeah. So it's not so much, and not to say that the parents aren't supposed to do anything, but like children, I mean, they all go to school. Right. And the school is where they're, you know, they're, they're rabbis teaching them whatever else. It's like that, um, that model of, of, of sort of um, where the line, that the parenting definition is blurry. Um, More blurry would, than we, we have for sure. Yeah, would, would be totally, would totally fit in with this. Agreed, agreed. So a couple comments there. Um, I can't disagree with anything that Joshua said. I mean, that, those are all true statements. I don't think that Timothy's father was absent. I don't think that Timothy's father, I'm not trying to contradict him, he's quoting church dogma. I mean, that's just the, the normal church stuff. I don't think he was, I don't think he was absent or unknown at all. I think he was extraordinarily known. I think he was well known. And because he was well known, Timothy wanted to circumcise, Paul wanted to circumcise Timothy to make sure there was a clear difference and break between the two. I think Titus falls more into the category of, who knows this guy? Who knows his dad? Nobody. And Paul filled that vacuum, if you will. It was important, I think, culturally, that everyone knew Timothy had been circumcised. Why? Because everybody knew his dad. That's the only explanation I can come up with. There's another, another scenario there too. Judaism today, um, you have Jews, Gentiles, and then they call them Mamzer, mm-hmm. which is a Jew-Gentile blend. Mm-hmm. Jew-Gentile blend is considered like an illegitimate child. Well, and Mamzer is truly an illegitimate child. That's where the term comes from. Right. So the idea is that like it's worse to be in the Netherlands yeah. than it is to be a hundred percent Gentile. Mm-hmm. So for Timothy, he would have been fighting a lot of stigma yeah. in in given his mixed background. So circumcising him Fixed. would have well, it it does a little bit. More importantly, it makes it very clear where he stands. Exactly. What well, would so, fix it? Because you're not fixing the fact that he's not of Jewish faith, but he was a Gentile who has now converted, right? But he would be a convert rather than stuck mm-hmm. in the middle. You, well, he's you, got a Jewish mom so and he's though, got right? a Gentile father. So different. He couldn't marry. Or if it were a daughter, she couldn't marry a guy who was 100 percent Jewish, right? I that back. <clears throat> I went to the Cohen side of things. So, yeah. Never mind. Good point. But no, yes, if, <clears throat> if that's, a, that's a good point. But if they, if he officially converted, there's no indication that he 
formally converted. Oh, no question about it. Then, Absolutely. yes, he would be treated as 100% a Jew. I don't think that Paul would have had him formally convert only because that would sort of run against what he was saying in Galatians. No, no, definitely run against it. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody saying that. But the stigma would be gone. Yeah. You know, he's now made it clear where he stands. Whether he's he comes from a, a, a rocky <coughs> background is, is not as relevant as it mm-hmm. was. So in my mind, either one of those could work. Well, to take <coughs> to take art and a seder, didn't you have to be circumcised? Well, that, that's where Joshua's going before, right. which I think clouds clouds the the deal here. Um, but it's absolutely true. If we're in this book and walking through it, we believe that there is one standard for all of us with regard to righteous walk, then absolutely. It doesn't matter when you came into the faith, if you want to eat the Passover, you have to be sac- you have to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Now, it really doesn't matter, you and I, because we can't eat the Passover because there's no temple on which to make you mean the that, Passover, yeah. right? But, but, yeah, but back then, no question. Yeah. And I would say even now, even though we can't do the temple stuff, it's so important that we teach it and we learn it because there will be a temple, which, by the way, your conservative Presbyterians say it's never going to happen. Hmm. That third temple is never going to happen in Ezekiel 37, 38. It's just, you know. Well, it's not that they sunshine. say it's never going to happen. It's just that they saying it's not necessary for it to happen. There's well, no point in it. I, I'm talking to some serious conservative Presbyterians that say, Ezekiel 37, 38, all about that third temple. Yeah. It's, it's what do they call it? Imagery and, and stuff like that. It's just high in the sky stuff to teach you, you know, what. Oddly what enough, we, we, we believe that the four headed creatures that look like giant tires and are on fire, those are real. But yeah. the brick and mortar building. <laughs> no, let's not get over the top. Right. That's yeah. exactly yeah. Symbolism and allegory. Right. So, so, I'm sorry. Good question. So, I would understand why circumcision would be so important in the temple mm-hmm. for a seder. Yes. But would there not still be, why would there not be the same um, requirement at, say, your Passover seder? I think it's important from a symbolic perspective and from a training perspective. If that man's going to come to my seder, I want to at least discuss with him. Am I going to make him get circumcised? No. Because we're not eating Passover. Because the Passover lamb must be sacrificed in the temple. Okay. So when Jonathan... Right. Sacrificing. Right. Well, that's the Passover. It's the the offering is the... So if if Jonathan's going to come to my Seder table, we may talk about circumcision and whether or not he's circumcised. And I may encourage him to do so. But it's only to train him that the scripture is important, that the Torah is right. This, this is what we're supposed to do. And when there is a temple, and we do go up, and we do make sacrifice, and then we bring it back to our homes, and we do eat the Passover, we must be circumcised or we'll be far from his people. So that conversation is what I want to have with him and with my sons now to prepare for the future. And on top of that, it's a mitzvah. I mean, the thing is, like whether or not it's, it's time-bound, you have to have it by X date, Either way, it's a very important mitzvah. There's, it's a good thing to do. No question. And it's, it's, it makes you a part of the covenant. It's, it's a sign that you're part of the covenant. Right. It's but like it's not, baptism is a common... Right, you know, but it's not something that you should have to do. 
quite frankly. Not to be in the group. Right. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. It's not something that you should have to do. Oh. It should be done to you. It should have been done to you at eight days, which had nothing to do with you. You didn't have any choice in the matter or anything like that. Had your father kept the mitzvah, we wouldn't be talking about it. But if you come from a Gentile family like me, even though I was circumcised, it's not something that might normally be done. When I was a boy, every boy was circumcised. Didn't matter. Jewish wasn't the wasn't the issue. Covenant wasn't the issue. It was healthier, they thought. Well, it's still now, the standard norm, isn't it? It is. It was. Standard. Yeah. It was. It's almost turned on its head. It's now more about a liberal thing where you right. Why would you do that? Oh, this is just mutilation and Gentile this and that. But that's so. It's it it is part of the country. It's still predominant. It's still part of the process. But but back in it depends uh, on where you are. Yeah, but like here in California, it's probably a lot more. In New York, I mean, you know, it's almost. I mean, I wasn't born in the United States, so I was circumcised at eight years of age, not eight days. Good for you. So. At the age of eight. Was that cultural that way? Huh? Was it cultural that no, way? No, it was. I came to the United States and they're like, you can't have you uh, uncircumcised communist. You're a Democrat. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that's, for some reason, that mentality was. It was a rough first day of school. uncircumcised communist thing into the study guide. That's important. And we're on video. And you know about the Seder, it's meant to be a dress rehearsal. So yeah. that's that's part of the importance of discussing hmm. circumcision as well. Nice, hey, well done. We're we're preparing to your point. We're preparing for later, that's but right. let's let's do it as real as possible. No, no question. As parents, if we're going to practice and teach our children, and you know as well as I do, the whole purpose of the seder is so focused on when your son asks you, "What are you doing, Dad? What's this all about?" Yeah. and you launch into Exodus six. And just go through the whole deal with him. That, that's a major part of being a member of the covenant. We recognize it has nothing to do with becoming a member of the covenant. It's a sign that you're a member of the covenant. Which is why as Gentiles, uh, that's all. If, you're, if you come to the faith and you weren't circumcised by your parents... Might be a good idea to think about it. When might be a good time of year for you to think about it? Maybe right before Pesach. Right around Purim would good would be good because then you won't be sore around Pesach. So I think what we just discussed was Paul called Timothy his true child in the faith because he treated him like a father from a spiritual perspective. <coughs> and had him... I think in special regard, there's a lot of one-on-one time. There's a lot of training going on. There's a lot of, you don't know, did he let me bring you up to speed? And it appears that he did the same thing with Titus. Well, and, and Paul probably saw himself in Timothy in a good way. I mean, Timothy, from the accounts that we read in First and Second Timothy, appears to be extraordinarily young for leadership position that he is receiving and the amount of... Um, the, the learning that he's accumulated appears to be significant. I and mean, Paul doesn't just hand off one of his congregations to anybody. In fact, he only did it to one other man, Titus. So, I mean, this, this is a huge deal. In fact, the true child of faith could actually be a reference to an ordination 
that he personally provided processing on Timothy. It's possible, but we would need to see the same thing in Titus. Well, but or at least implied. But, 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 but saying both those men were leaders appointed by Paul, that could be the reason. Yeah, but the Tim point Titus is left in Crete to take care of the entire island, it's like six or seven different assemblies there, and then to do more later on. So, yeah, same kind of thing, Timothy. But for Paul, so Paul grows up in the at the feet of Gamaliel. He's trained. He's he is a, something of a budding star, it seems. Because um, he's right there present during the stoning of Stephen, but he's not mature or, or old enough or whatever, not ordained or whatever, to be part of it. But he's involved enough to be right there, and he immediately takes a leading role in persecuting the, the way. Right. So right. the point of that, just to say, is I, I can see Paul seeing himself in Timothy in a positive way to see, like, this young man reminds me of me. He's zealous, he's learned, he... He has a good, healthy background. But his mother and his grandmother apparently were very well trained in the scriptures. They, they raised him in the Bible. So he, um, there are some similarities that Paul probably identified with. He connected with. Um, and it's so interesting, as we get into the rest of this lesson that you came up with, that Paul's concern for Timothy in this chapter is well, not Timothy, but for the congregation he's going to, almost seems to be it's uniquely tailored almost to timothy yeah. because it seems to be with people who aren't jewish who are trying a little too hard and getting lost and confused along the way yeah. you're sort of getting lost in the weeds as you read you should know what city he's his congregation is in are we good who where where is, where is timothy ephesus ephesus he's at ephesus titus is in yeah, so Titus deals with the Cretans. And boy, it's next week, right? I mean, it's the, the quote about the Cretans that Paul uses from the the, the pagans is is horrible. I mean, these, these guys are liars and cheats and thieves and all that stuff. Anyway, so before we get to, got the nicer group. <laughs> yeah, yes. They only they only uh, started a massive riot. That's right, and them. and have several different. Uh, well. Uh, Temples to uh, and to that's pagans. the other thing too. Thinking about Timothy's role, Tim, where, where Ephesus is, Ephesus is the uh, is 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 the mecca of paganism in oh, this yeah. time frame. Big time. This so, is the, this is the San Francisco. Oh yeah. Of, of Christianity and and, and well, world uh, as, liberalism as we today. talk about. You know? Yeah, I mean, you think about Ephesus is. Um, I mean, the reason the, the the riot that took place there with Paul wasn't done by the religious leaders it was done by the idol makers because it's such a huge industry yeah they're they're, they're all upset so timothy has to be pretty trustworthy by paul i would think to send him into that kind of environment where he's not only combating with you know various sundry um issues possibly with with you know counter missionaries or whatever else from the jewish side but also dealing with a very pagan atmosphere a community that seems to be pretty strong based on the book of Ephesians that we read earlier, but nonetheless is in an environment in which for Timothy to lead them, he's got to be extraordinarily resilient. Yeah, and he's got some issues there we'll get into uh, over time. So Ephesus is a port. you got people coming from all over the place, and it's just horrible. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's read 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. So that we can answer the uh, the next point in our uh, in our study guide 
what is it that these this group of teachers or presumed teachers in Ephesus were teaching? What what's what's causing the problem there? So who wants to read? Who wants to give me a couple of verses here? Sorry. Is that the weird version? This is, is the uh, yeah, semi-weird Jewish. Yeah, semi-weird. <laughs> I love it. From the semi-weird semi right. version. As I counseled you when I was leaving from Macedonia, stay on in Ephesus, so that you may order certain people who are teaching a different doctrine to stop. Have them stop devoting their attention to myths and never-ending genealogies. These divert people to speculating instead of doing God's work, which requires trust. The purpose of this order is to promote love from a clean heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere trust. Some, by aiming amiss, have wandered off into fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of Torah, but they understand neither their own words nor the matters about which they make emphatic pronouncements. All right, so these guys want to be teachers of what? Torah. Torah. What's Namas. the Greek word for? Thank Namas. You. Namas. Namas. Okay. We got two different O's. Right? You got the Omicron, you got the Omega. This is okay. the Omicron on both sides. Namas. Namas. Okay. So they want to be teachers of the law, which we understand here to be the Torah. So what, what are they doing? They're devoting themselves to a different doctrine. It's myths. Endless genealogies, speculations, without understanding, vain, vain discussions. Holy God, this, this is horrible. I'm like today. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, I think I know pastors like that. Oops. Is this yeah. Facebook? Yeah, right? Okay, so I, I, I took a little rabbit trail in your, in your study guide. Uh, on page 19, as I, I talked about, they want to be teachers of the law. And, and you would think that it's teachers, some torque of the dasko, which is to teach, and law, namas. But it's not. It's a, it's namadadaskalos, right? It's, it's actually a single thing. It's a single word. So if, you, if you're looking in the Greek and you're find, trying to find teachers, it's not there. Try to find law. It's not there. It's teachers of the law. That's one Greek word. That one Greek word is a compound from law and to teach. Okay. So this is this is this is pretty cool. Um, I've got uh, in Luke five and Acts five two different um, references that actually use this specific Greek word. So, can you get the, anybody at the thing up? Can you read this? Wait, oh, question, yeah. I'm curious if that's one of those uh, Septuagint created words. The compound word that Paul created? No, that, uh, that was created to teach Hebrew concepts through Greek where the Greek doesn't have those words. So, they kind of used Greek words to make Hebrew concept words yeah. that had never been used before. I can't say whether it had not been used before because I neglected to look back to, you know, the, the Greek writers and Sophocles and Plato and all those guys. Um, but I can tell you that it certainly is a term that was big in their day. And, and, and we'll get that because 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to a, a a different word here unless I'm teaching the wrong wrong class and my head's in next class. Um, but I I find this absolutely fascinating. So who can uh, who can read those two verses out of the study guide or from your from your Bibles? You know, Luke five seventeen and Acts five thirty four. Give me 17. Yeah, give me 517. 517, 14, 15, 16. Okay, just 17? About 17? Yeah, that'll do it. And one of those days? Is that what it is? Now, on one of those days, Yeshua was teaching, Pharisees and Torah scholars we have something in the Torah. Torah scholars. Yeah, Torah, Torah scholars. scholars. Torah yeah. scholars. Yeah. Torah scholars. So, so that's good. That's good. Um, somebody else read uh, Acts five thirty four. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, mm. held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So. Gamaliel in the in English or Gamaliel in the Hebrew was a teacher of the law. He was one of these guys. It's a it's a title. And he was one of those. And we saw that Yeshua was speaking to some Pharisees and some of these guys. Is a Pharisee a teacher of the law? Is a teacher of the law necessarily a Or are they synonymous? Well, it's distinct here. You bet. Right? So you can be a Pharisee and not be a teacher of the law. Mm -hmm. You can be a teacher of the law and be a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. But when Yeshua's talking to these guys, he's got a group of Pharisees and teachers of the law. And we see in Gamaliel, you can't actually be both. He was a teacher of the law. And he was a Pharisee. All right. So I'm surprised that these guys want to be teachers of the law. I thought they would like to be lawyers. We, we read about the lawyers in the scriptures. These guys are experts in the law. Well, how much do I need to tie the human? And they can tell you. They're, they're not our kind of lawyer. Can you sue for that? that that's our kind of lawyer. That's, that's not the kind of lawyer we're talking about. We're talking about an expert in the Torah. I would have thought that these guys that Paul's talking about in Ephesus would want to be lawyers. No, the teacher of the law fits so much better to me because they, I think of teacher of the law and I think rabbi. Maybe that's not exactly what the, the character was, but that's what it kind of reminds me of. Right. And but you when you think rabbi, why do you think that? What are you thinking? Well, I think it's so much more holistic. So a teacher of the law, uh, uh, excuse me, a lawyer is an expert in the, the nuance of the halakha yes. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. These guys aren't interested in the details. That's part of the problem. The problem from Paul's perspective is that he, he notice what he's, he was missing. He's not saying that they're spending way too much time learning Hebrew. They're spending time on myths and endless genealogies. But I think... But that still applies, I... but in a different way. What's the difference between a teacher of the law and a lawyer? What's the difference between a rabbi, if you will, and a lawyer in that day? There's only one main difference. And we're going to see that main difference come up later. Authority? No. Scholar? No. 
When you picture a rabbi, what do you see? Close your eyes. What do you see? Age. Okay. What else? Someone with disciples. Yes. He's got people around. Mm -hmm. He opens his mouth and people listen. Right. That's a teacher of the law. When you think lawyer, what do you got? Some dweeby guy sitting in the corner. Hey, Shmuel, how many people do we have to have in order to do this? 16. Thank you, Shmuel. Nobody wants to talk to Shmuel. Shmuel's a nobody. He's a brainiac. He's a dweeb. He's the IT geek guy. Gotta have him. That's right. Well, we've got some He's, cool IT guys. These guys don't want to be the geek. They don't want right, to be the right. lawyers, the namikos. Do you hear a namas in there? They don't want to be the namikos. They want to be the nama didaskalon. They want to be the guy who teaches the Torah. Well, and it's Listen to me. And that's where we get into all this weird stuff. Well, and it's interesting that you say this because the Perkei vote. I just kept thinking of the Perkei vote when I was reading this chapter because the Perkei vote has a lot of warnings against wanting to be a teacher. Uh, who else does? James. Jimmy in chapter three is just no. like <laughs> all over, smacking you down. If you want to be a teacher, well, second guess yourself, man. Second guess. This is a this is a tough deal. Is it because of the desire, you don't want to have a desire to be like held higher or because of the responsibility that comes with it? It's both. But I think in the case of, when I think, I think that these men and what we're talking about, the Perkei Avot, what they warn against is using Torah for your own ends. And the point that they're saying over and over again is it's two ways you can do it. One is for, for material gain. You know, we've got lots of examples of televangelists and whatnot that are like, I need your money to do my ministry, you know, whatever. The Lord needs your money. Uh, yeah, God God has missioned me to, you know, slay on a beach somewhere and <laughs> preach to natives in my spare time while I'm getting a suntan and I need you to pay for it. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, this has this is this is not new, nor has it gone away. The other side though, and this is something that Perkei Vo talked about, and I think this is what these men were, were dealing with, is that you also don't use the Torah for your own honor. It's not about being great. It's not about being applauded. It's not about men looking up to you and calling you by fancy titles or, or respecting every, hanging every word you say. And the, but what I think sounds like, the, I just, all I could think about reading this passage was Perkei Vote and then the, all of the, the weird websites. You know, the, the Messianic, I found this word, it turns out it's actually used over here in this other obscure text, and now we know it, or the, what it or really the, means. Or the YouTube people that oh are just goodness. like exploding out, and I've got 7 billion followers. Somebody who doesn't know Judaism thought Kabbalah was cool and went bananas. Yeah. And that's, and that, I personally think Kabbalah is cool. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there. But there's a reason why Judaism actually teaches that you have to be a, basically an expert in Torah before you crack the book open. Yeah. Because mysticism and what we call sod or secret in Hebrew is the deepest level of interpretation. Yeah. It's supposed to be last yeah. because everything else above it you have to have first. And I think the problem when we talk about myths and endless genealogies, here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing some guy cracking open the beginning of Chronicles and going, this is kind of boring. Let's look at 
how many times the letter Gimel is used. Oh, there's this used 56 times. Well, 56, the gematria of that is this, and now we can talk about this. And it, it, and you know what? We don't actually have to keep Shabbat, and Yeshua is actually one of three different gods, and this is, we got it all out of this one passage, you yeah. know? And it's like, oh my goodness. And Paul is like, you guys have lost your minds because the mistake that they're making is they're not, they don't know the Bible, but they're trying to go beyond Bible and then, and then become teachers. And it tickles everybody's ears. I, I think it's the other way around. I think they want to be teachers because they want to be in front of the crowd. Right, right. And all this comes from that inward desire, and which I think is why so James is like, holy cow, you get just step back because you have no idea what God's going to do to you hmm. if you lead other people astray. And you need to second guess teaching anybody anything because of the stricter judgment that's coming on you. Go. It's I also it's also a uh, sort of this like false sense of uh, security or desire that that comes from teaching this way because you most of the time, especially in these things, when you're talking about myths and genealogies, this is no halakha. So everybody just loves and eats up everything you're saying That's because right. it doesn't make them change their life. And don't we see that on the internet? Don't we see that exactly? Now? That's and go so anyone. Paul contrasts that with the true stewardship, mm -hmm. which is all the doing. It's all the follow yeah. me. Like the the rabbi yeah. figure that we all have in our heads is the guy that's like, just just come over to Shabbat. I'm not even going to tell you what to do. Watch me. Just watch me. Yeah, yeah. Paul does. Right. Paul does exactly. the same thing. And you, you miss that when you teach the other way, and you just you just get your pride inflated because people yeah. are all ears when they have to not not do anything. After and there's nothing compared. You, you you can't say the guy's wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, endless genealogies means, you know, I can go on and on and on. Who's going to contradict me? You, there is no right or wrong. I was going to just go slightly different route and say, you know, when I came into the epiphany mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. going from my Southern Baptist background, mm -hmm. I was hurt and I'll basically cover that hurt with a lot of zeal yeah. in which then I went and was dogmatic sure. about everything that I, and my intention wasn't to have a following or to make my myself heard. It was to look, there's a serious problem that I just found out and mm -hmm. this is how I think. Yeah. It should be fixed because this is what I think the scripture says about that. And my way of going about doing it is very, first of all, offensive and also inaccurate yeah. in a lot of sense because I haven't been versed in it to the degree that I thought I was. And, and trained yeah. in, in the exactly. scriptures itself. Yeah. So I think this a lot of them probably fell in this hmm? field too. Yeah. And, and I think I we need to. Yeah, I remember being having conversations with high school friends and stuff that just didn't end well because I, I felt very zealous for a certain line of thinking or well, certain interpretations. And I think I think your part. I agree with you. It falls into the quarrel side, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you said, it doesn't end well. Right. And right. do you get more flies with vinegar or with honey? Right. I mean, and we've all been there, like you said, where we. We try to push it down somebody's throat and make them feel stupid because they've been lied to and it's not their fault and we can help them out of the, the horrible trap that they, in which they find themselves. Yeah, right. So I get the quarrel cycle and, and, I, I, and I, I hear where you're coming from, no question. And the zeal without knowledge is, 
certainly I think where we've all been. Mm -hmm. My my greater point in the in the uh, study guide was more on the endless genealogies. I, I find that very curious because endless genealogies, genealogies, and the Greek is genealogies. It's it's yeah, that's what it is. Genealogies are a big part of Midrash. I, I get that. But I'm trying to figure out like the who's... legitimacy of Yeshua. Is that where you're going? We're well that's that's my point here is we're talking about people who claim to be believers. That's the only people that Paul's dealing with who want he wants to get Timothy and or Titus, because uh, I brought in here first Timothy one verses three and four. Charge certain persons, it is plural, but there's not a lot of them, not to teach any different doctrine or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith, which Gregory just quoted. Titus 3, verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law that are unprofitable and worthless. I see these as parallels. And genealogies only appears twice in the Bible. And they're both right. But here. see, I think the reason why I mention this is because in if you get if you start reading through Midrash and the and the commentary, the Drashas, the commentaries, the sages on the Torah, one of the places that they'll go is places like the genealogies in First Chronicles, because every word of God is holy and useful and profitable. Yeah, sure, I but the that. genealogy's weird. Yeah. Why do we spend chapters talking about right. this? And Torah? why is this guy missing out of it? Right. In this so one, he's in there. There, I get there, are, there are lots of ways to play with that. And the reason why I mentioned like the missing, I went to the Gematria route, that was just one example. But um, when you start trying to pull in other interpretive methods um, to try to make sense of a passage that might otherwise seem stale, uh, then you end up, you, you can really make it say anything. I don't disagree with you. My question now is, do you think, as, as Joshua is implying, that they're just grabbing genealogies out of the scripture and tearing them up and going on and on? Or do you think that there was a more specific genealogy or genealogies that they were dealing with? These are not necessarily trained or Jewish Believers, this group is primarily Gentiles. When's the last time you studied genealogies? Christmas time? Yeah, yeah we go through, <laughs> what, is it Luke chapter 2? You know, and this guy, was, we got this guy, and could go, they, get down could, they be, could it have anything to do with their own genealogies? I don't know. Maybe saying, like wait, wait a minute, like, I've got Jewish blood. Yeah, I've got a guy over here that makes me the authority. Like, I have more Jewish blood than you do, so therefore I can speak on this. That... I don't know the right answer. I don't think we can possibly know the right answer. Mm. All I'm trying to get you to do is think about endless genealogies from Gentiles looking at the Torah. Or, they weren't looking at the apostolic scriptures. Remember, they weren't reading the book of Luke. Or Matthew. Or Matthew, which has the genealogy, right? Luke doesn't. Yeah, but, Matthew. but they're different. Yeah. That was a cool class, the way it's on the album. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah wasn't that the... Uh, Jacob and the uh, Leverite. Yeah. 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 Actually, you should. Did you check that one out yet? Oh, man. I'm interested to hear y'all's on a different time, y'all's interpretation of that then. Yeah. Well, it's, we've got class on it. The two of you listening to that, let's talk about it next week. All right. So, we're all. This is actually 
just speculation. So <laughs> why spend any time on a guy? Isn't there a theory that the Jewish blood has been spread throughout the earth enough that maybe the Gentiles are coming to Messiah yes. have a little bit of Jewish blood and the way they, maybe they're the only ones that can come the way, to The way they put Messiah. it, most of them, when you're talking to them, and they mean it in the, in the, in the most gentle and wonderful way, is that you have a Jewish soul. And by that they mean the ten tribes that were lost and one of them is you. So you're actually a Jew, deep, 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 way, 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 way back, and that's why you're drawn to the Torah. I think that's a bunch of rubbish. But it could be true. It's not for me. I can prove it genetically. I can prove it from where I'm from. I persecuted. My people persecuted Jews. No question about it. Although I was, my people were born two, three miles away from the largest Torah center in Italy. Thank you very much. That means absolutely nothing in my life. Really? Okay. Just wanted to share that. The reason why I had originally the genealogies to Midrash and whatnot is, is the myths component. Yeah. Only because, it, like I said, in, in Judaism has broken down a commentary hierarchy. And then they use the, an a, acronym Pardes, which is a, a Hebrew word for, for garden. So um, the P is for Peshat or symbol. It's the surface level. It's the obvious, whatever the text means. The... Um, the, the R there stands for... Um, uh, Remez. Remez, thank you. has to do with remembering something. So it's like a, you, it's like a key word. Clue. Yeah, you, you use a phrase, you use a word, and you remember, oh yeah, I remember that word is also used here, and it's used here, and it's used here, and so forth. And it kind of loops the passages together. Then you have D, which is drosh, which is oftentimes, um, which is like a deeper commentary dive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can involve, uh, in the Midrash, it can involve more myth, myth-type legend that... Um, but the intent of Drosh is like a parable. It's intended, we're going to tell a story to, teach. to make a point. Yeah. And, um, but I have to say, as someone who's read Midrash, um, it's, it's highly entertaining, and you can very, very easily lose the point along the way. Some people are offended by it because they get so caught up in whether or not it's supposed to be true. Or, wor- or worse, they could believe it's true, and the then Jews were either drinking, or they start to take that as the scripture rather than right. the scripture. Right, yeah, and, that's one, and that's one reason like, whenever I try to use Whenever, I, well, not whenever, you but need to catch. I've, I've said in our classes before when I'm talking at Midrash, the point is not whether that's true. The point is that it's supposed to teach a lesson. Teach the point. Teach but and in the lowest, the, the low, the, the deepest level is sowed or secret, um, and that's the last one. But the important thing is it's always a hierarchy. Everything comes back to the surface level, and it sounds like these men, for whatever reason, probably because it was more entertaining, um, were trying to dig into the scriptures to find things that no one else, quote-unquote, had seen, and they were missing the point of the whole thing. And especially if these men were relatively young, and Gentiles, most likely, they're not super learned. I mean, to to Paul's point, what Gregory was mentioning earlier, like, guys, let's learn to keep Shabbat before we start trying to figure out, you know, how many heavens there are. Or how many angels can dance on the head of a pink. Yeah, that's exactly Or what all their names are. I mean, it's not that important. The angel Raphael. Let's talk about him. Okay. You're exactly right. All right. So I, I think this last part is, is, is cool. Unless you've got other issues or comments you want to make on uh, this first chapter. Um, 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. I think, I think it's an important passage for us. Because I think it talks about 
potentially an issue that we deal with today. So let's, uh, let's, let's have someone read 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11 in, in a real Bible, not, not none of these fake things. Let's, let's, let's get some real Bibles going. You, who's, who's English got? Standard. Yeah. English Standard, you got that? Here. Go ahead. English Standard. Now we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and sinners, the unholy and profane, for those who direct their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, and enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. Woo! All right. I, mm. That was so heavy. I, I just like that again. So just give me that again. What up? I want some... Gusta? Drama. Some emotion. Some, just give me some drama there. Just slow it down and, and give me some bang. So I'm looking, I'm looking for some points. And quite frankly, I just want you to do it again so that my brother Jonathan hears it because I know he's going to have some cool things to say. Now we know the law is good. That's a good thing. The law is good. I like that. If one uses it lawfully. I'm understand confused this, by that. that. <laughs> the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I like it. Mm. All right, so my desire is not to, to delve into the crummy people that we once were, that are listed there. Oh, there's some really cool references there. There are, but we're not going to go there right now. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. That's an astonishing comment. It's, but that's not where we go. Understanding this, as, as if we do, I know Todd does, and I know Gregory does. The rest of us, we're just going to go with them. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, or in some versions, the righteous, same word, but for the lawless and disobedient. So what I tried to give you was a discussion of the, the idea of these other people. Are there other translations other than laid down? We're going to get down to lay down in just a second. But first, <laughs> I love it. Um, first, let's go through. I, I, I'm going to lay down next. Okay. First, I want to go to, it's not for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient. Just skipping ahead. Well, let's assume we know what lay down means for now. <laughs> so, this... This concept is not for the righteous, but for the anupataktas. Those who are not or cannot be subjected to the Torah. Paul says exactly the same thing, God bless you, in using the very same word in Titus 1.10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision part. 
So I want you to tell me who are the people who are not or cannot be subjected to the Torah. I would have thought Gentiles. Gentiles. They're not, they're not subject to the Torah. Is it, is it not the case that we give ourselves to Messiah and choose to put ourselves under his authority and therefore under his Torah? Is this not the agreement we're making? As they did at Sinai, that we're reading about in this portion, in the last portion. Yes, everything that God said, we will do. Is that not the covenant? Mm -hmm. Is that not what we're doing? If that's true, who are these who are not or cannot be subjected to the Torah? Some interesting categories here. And I know we didn't really want to get into this, but I just have to throw out some things because I think it fits what you're talking about. Okay. So you're asking the question, who are they? But then you quoted from Titus where it seems that the party of the circumcision, who we would assume potentially could be Jews, or at least are converts, um, could be lumped in with that group at some level. Exactly. Which blows out the thought that those who are not or cannot be subjected are Gentiles. Because one would think that Gentiles would be the ones, but Gentiles, he's actually put the circumcision party in there. So, and the circumcision party, one would think, or gent or Jews. The the list here doesn't fit the other lists that Paul puts out. If you go and look at the other lists where Paul talks about the sinners and focusing on those who do not have a place in the kingdom, his list is very consistent. There are some, you know, that you just always see, and some of them show up here. But there's a handful of these that are really weird. And I think those are very important to understanding what he's trying to get at. He lists those who strike their fathers and mothers. Mm -hmm. This is an obscure commandment in the Torah that specifically... Which we just got to in this portion. Which specifically, which specifically is listed, and it's a capital offense. Die. Enslavers. Now, that uh, my little commentary here, um, footnote in my Bible gateway, says that is those who take someone captive in order to sell them into slavery. Like kidnappers. That, happens to be the definition of kidnapping and according to rabbinic tradition what thou shalt not steal is actually talking about it's a capital offense mm. what's fascinating about capital crimes in the torah is that capital crimes have are essentially being cut off from the community of god like it's some of them are by death some of them are by childlessness and some of them are simply by excommunication. Right. But the point is that a capital offense results in you are no longer part of the people of God. Correct. And that's what makes this list particularly interesting because we're talking about cutting people out who were previously part of the kingdom of God. They're part of the people of God, I should say. They were so a Jew who kidnaps another Jew and then tries to sell him and gets caught, dies. So the point that I'm trying to say is that it's not talking about Gentiles, but it's talking about... Um, particularly egregious sins is, is most of this list. And then they throw in unholy and profane, which actually, oddly enough, is not even necessarily what we define as sin, per se. Right. Because it can just be things that are not spiritual. Right. So, if we go back, before the list that he's went through, you've got lawless and disobedient. The word I'm looking at in Greek is the word for disobedient. Right. Um, and it, it truly means those who are not or cannot be subject to the Torah. What's what's the other word he put with this one? Lawlessness. Let's call it. Let's, 
Let's, yeah, anomi, uh, anom, anamas, right? Yeah. Not on the law. So those who don't keep Torah and those who cannot or will not be under the Torah. It all comes down to not keeping the Torah. Sinners. Sinners. And then he goes through the, this, this, this lot. Okay? Okay. All right. So, oh, good, good. Well, you've been quiet all along, and your voice is lower than his, so we're going to let you go first. Ultimately, not keeping the Torah would be not to be transformed by Messiah. I, I would agree with to, that, to right? Because it's not just that we would sin. The new covenant. This has to be the practice we'll see in other letters, right? Sure. This is someone who is not subject to the Torah. Right? So what does the Torah do for them? Condemn. It condemns them. It doesn't give them someday, life. Yeah. Right? Not now, but someday. Right. All it does is condemn you because you now know God has laid down a, some rules and you are deliberately not doing it. That's this word. That's what I'm talking about. Precisely. It's someone who is deliberately not keeping the law of which they know. Which is different, I think, so does Paul, from the first word, lawlessness. That's someone without the Torah. That's not this. So he's putting together two groups. One, they don't know the Torah. The sinners. They don't know the Torah. Lawless and disobedient. And the disobedient ones are the ones who know the Torah. And, then he's and don't want to keep it. Describing the disobedient. Exactly. Does that make sense? I answer my question. There you go. Could that maybe be also <laughs> translated rebellious? I, I think that would work. In my in my dictionary, that would work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've answered that question. So let's back up even one more word and take a look at laid down. Because I thought that was a weird word. Mm -hmm. I, I would have thought given or something, but laid down? So this word could be made right it's kmi kmi connotes something that is set probably by god or destined or appointed let me give you some examples simeon blessed and said to mary his mother i know you know where this is from when luke behold this child is kmi this this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Was that the only reason that Messiah came? No, certainly not. But he was appointed for that. Was he appointed for perhaps other things? Sure. But the writer is simply saying he was appointed for this. God made it that this would happen. This is a fact. It's undeniable. To this day... Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. It's laid down. It's made. It's set. It's destined. It's designed by God to be a veil over their heart. They can't see the Torah. Not that they don't want to. It's by God's design that they can. Why? For you. That's this word. Are you getting the sense of it? Let me know. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, says Paul. He was put there this same way. He was laid down for this. He was made for this. He was destined for this. It was his path. And it was because God wanted it and made it happen. Do you get the word? Do you get the sense? All right, so now we go back to the text. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that there are senses of the law, that sometimes it's used to promote righteousness and to teach us how to walk. Sometimes it's used in order to condemn us and to teach us that we need a Savior. You need to use the law lawfully, understanding this, that the Torah is not destined, set by God, designed specifically for the righteous. That's not its primary purchase, purpose. But, for those without the Torah and those who are disobeying the Torah. Paul is making clear here that he believes that the Torah is a wonderful thing. Just as James says, it's the perfect law. But Paul is saying, that's not its primary thing. That's not my focus. That's not my walk is all about. What's my walk all about? I'm talking to Gentiles. These guys either don't know the Torah or have heard about it and want to disobey it. The Torah used lawfully, is turning men to Christ. Because it's being used not for the righteous, which he is. He's keeping the Torah. He's claiming that you can follow him as he follows Messiah. Of course, he's keeping the Torah. His focus here is on these sinners. And what does he use with these sinners? what God gave him to use, what God made as a tool for him, the Torah. You get it? Come on. I was also seeing this as, um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, and when these men promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. In other words, if the Torah is being used to play games, to come up with Weird, we interesting doctrines, yeah, yeah. That, genealogies, yeah, well, and speculations, so, so forth, and and missing the point. So understand this: the Torah is not laid down for the just. In other words, it's, it's not for people who are already there. It's like we have time to waste to talk about things that don't matter. Right. It's like, right. but for the lawlessness to be. In other words, Absolutely. it's like it's to teach us, it's to train us, it's to show us with how to do right. Because we are in this list. That's why I mentioned the unholy, profane are not. Um, you know, we hear the word unholy, and somehow that makes us think that that's some serious hardcore evil person but actually unholy simply means not not holy and not holy would be most of life so the point is to say like unholy and profane are terms that you see like if you pull up your siddur and you go to the habdala prayers and you thank god for having made the holy and the profane common. in hebrew it's actually the word kol or common That's it's it. just simply like the everyday life today was today today was a common day it's not shabbat Right. So the point is that, like, I think, with Paul, in my view, what Paul is getting at is, um, we know that the Torah is good if we're using it to grow, to become more like God, to, to teach the, us as sinners Amen. what not to do Amen. and what to do. And that is its purpose. Its purpose is not to inflate our heads or to come up with, you know, it doesn't say you can't enjoy it. 
or read it or read midrash or find that cool but it's like is that supposed to be our focus it's really not exactly right yeah that, that is very close and uh, i don't know if there would be a lot of similarity here but with with judaism the whole concept of like the word tzaddik is like literally meaning on a level where they don't need torah anymore like literally like they just do it they it, they can't not do it it's the habit of life which is why they say that a sinner or a Baal Teshuvah is even on a lever, level higher, higher than a tzaddik because they actually have the opportunity to repent. Whereas a tzaddik, it's like, what would they repent from? They don't do anything wrong. Exactly. So it's, I don't know if Paul is maybe thinking along the same lines when he uses that specific word, if, it, if it's sort of that same idea in Judaism of like, I mean, this is just a guy that's just on a level. Well, keep in mind... I think what he's doing is is saying it's it's the opposite. Like you're you've got the tzaddik, and he's looking at this unrepentant can't be under the law, isn't under the law, doesn't want to be under the law. It isn't it in your mind now just the exact opposite of the tzaddik. The tzaddik is under the law. He wants the law. He keeps the law. It's his life. This is just part of life. He just does. It's just does. This guy. Is just the opposite. He bucks against it. He doesn't want to be under it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. It's just the opposite. But Paul even finds, Paul, who's referred to himself as blameless in, in the other sure. book, yeah. the Bible we've already looked at, um, goes on to call himself, what is the term he uses? Um, the, the, save, the, the save sinners of whom I am foremost. Yeah. That's verse 15 of chapter 1 for Timothy. So I see that, like, I think in this passage, I think we're getting at here, I think we're saying, I think this makes sense, is that. When he says, not lay down for the just, I mean, can you hear the Hebrew there? Ha-tzadik. It's not lay down, not destined for the just. Right. It's destined for the rest of us. And Paul is kind of lumping himself in that category too, to some degree. I'm not saying completely, but I'm saying that like, he, I think he's acknowledging that we all have something to learn. I, I can't disagree with that. But he's, I think, clearly on a rant in this particular paragraph. <laughs> That's true. To try and say, Timmy, you got some bad boys over there, and what's really bad is not that they're bad, but they're teaching other people to be bad mm. or waste their time or lose their focus or whatnot. Or lose their faith. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, some, some people have strayed into Jewish mysticism and whatever else, and... They get all weirded out by it. Yeah. They get completely twisted yeah. around, and they complete, and they walk away from Messiah, or they walk away from keeping the Torah because, well, if you read this one passage in this one, you know, Jewish mystical work, it sort of talks like you can do X or Y yeah. or Z. Do, well, you may know the law, but you get a rhema. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Or, or even, even some people I've heard good teachers even, you know, using the Talmud, talking about how the Talmud mentions that. Uh, pigs will be kosher in the world to come. So therefore, this is proof that, you know, I don't know if this is Talmud, but you know, Jewish Jewish legend, yeah, yeah. Uh, teaching that pigs will be kosher in the world to come. This is in the era of Messiah. Therefore, this is proof that Messiah Yeshua is here. Now we can eat pig. And it's like, um, I yeah. first off, maybe odd not. that you would quote somebody who definitely says we shouldn't be eating pig to justify eating pig today. <laughs> um, that's confusing. But second, I, we definitely managed to stray way out of the Torah to completely undermine the Torah. Exactly right. So, and I've actually heard that. Like I said, from a Bible oh, teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, so I my point it. is... And, that and that's what Paul is saying. This is dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's very bad. And that's why it's like we have to be so careful um, 
I mean, I even feel a little bit, just quite frankly, like those of us who got into Torah, we, we didn't know the Torah. So we spent all this time studying Torah. We tried to study, understand Torah. And we, we took the stuff we've been reading for the last year and put it on the shelf. And we said, I don't need to think about Yeshua. I don't think about his, the apostles. I'm going to put all that away because i got to learn Torah. And that wasn't entirely bad. But unfortunately, for those of us who didn't spend 18, 20, 30, 40 years in the church, who knew the apostolic scriptures, some of those young men who were in this room at one point mm-hmm. um, got completely twisted. Yep. They, they focused on the Torah, which wasn't bad. They started learning from Torah scholars, which wasn't bad. But they didn't know anything or enough about the apostolic scriptures, and all it took was some very well-spoken, you know, Jewish Torah teachers right. to take them away. That's right. And I think that the same thing applies here. It's, we just have to be really careful to know truth before we start listening to men. Well, you know, that's why um, one of the reasons why I'm not afraid to dig into the Greek and show you what the text says. Mm-hmm. I'm not claiming to be an expert at it. I, I definitely think I can pronounce it better than most of you. <laughs> I don't even try in my head to pronounce one of those words. <laughs> I didn't try to understand what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think the uh, I think call to the Torah is is no bad. You know, we want to be men of the book, the whole book. Mm-hmm. We want to understand the Torah. What's the purpose of the commands? To draw near. That we would connect with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be that Saudi who doesn't have to think about what's right or wrong because he knows what's right or wrong. How does he know what's right or wrong? He's studied God's word and through it has learned his character. He knows him. He has a relationship with him. And he recognizes, understands that he sent his son to die for us. That we would have an opportunity to live and please him in our lives. All through the Torah. You know, I'm convinced there's some really, really cool and deep stuff in there. And maybe when I'm 80 or 90, I'll have time to look at it. But right now, I'd really just like to learn the Word of God. You know, I, I've, I've got a lot of it memorized. I can recognize and I can quote some stuff here and there. But I really like to know it better, and I, you know, you guys want the same. Where you would leave your families and your your homes and drive all the way here. It's interesting to think about like the wisdom cycle when it comes to studying scripture, because you know it's it's I think easy early on to try to get caught up in, in a lot of the nuances and trying to understand the depth. But then, like I, I remember that uh, story of the Baal Shem Tov. And it was later on in his life where he, you know, it was just this story of this, he saw the shepherd and the shepherd was just like crying out to God and all these amazing songs, like so much so that he just like collapsed, you know, out of just fear and awe of heaven and everything. And it wasn't until then he told his disciples that he truly understood like the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So it wasn't even until like way later that he even got like one of those basic commandments. Right, right. And I, it's interesting because that is kind of a metaphor for for wisdom really is yeah. that we're we're in this knowledge phase where we're all trying to study and know it as well as possible but it's not until later that you also kind of come back to the things that you started with and you begin to understand them right. the way that they're supposed to be understood exactly right and yeshua gives us a perfect analogy with the with children yeah. understanding it with just a, a pure simple faith basic faith yeah yeah and and the wisdom is that you don't have to be a bible scholar 
You don't have to be able to read in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. You have to live it. You have to know him. And love his people. That's First Timothy chapter 1. Your next class, are you on the next one? You're on the next class. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. So you're always that way. Uh, so next <laughs> class, uh, bring together, so Second Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2, and the entire book of Titus. We'll do next week with um, First Timothy 2 and first half of 3. Um, and 4. 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, I think. I think. I'm up to 52. This was 49. So there's a 50 and a 51. So yeah, we're, we're moving into 1 Timothy chapter 2 as well as into Titus. Lesson 50 has us reading Titus, 1 Timothy 2 through the second half of 3. Yeah. And then um, it stops, right? Yeah, and then it has a whole <clears throat> bunch of cross-references. Oh, it's very cool. Those are neat cross-references. I hope you'll... Take the time and just read those out loud. Turn to them and read them. Uh, it's great. Uh, you can just highlight that and drop it into your browser and they'll look them up for you. You don't have to flip the pages. Uh, it's the lesson after that, which I guess is 51, which is what Jonathan's up to, um, where we, we finish Titus and go uh, all the way up to chapter four. four, the back end of four in First Timothy. And uh, next lesson, 52, is First Timothy 5. And six, and we'll finish that out. Then we do First Peter, and we jump into Hebrews. Uh, we are real close to being done and getting to the uh, to the end here. My desire in this class is that you recognize that there are different kinds of people in the world. There are those who are under hupotasso, under the Torah, the Namas. There are those who are Anupatakras. They're disobedient. They, they're not going to be under it. Either because they can't or they won't. Who can't? Surely I've got somebody who's not bad. Who cannot be under the Torah? Talking about like the Pharaoh character? How about Esau? Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Amalek. Vessels of destiny's destruction. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you call it whatever you want. You look at it whatever way you want. These guys are destined for wrath. They cannot be under the Torah. By God's design. You have a problem with that? Bring it up with God. But those are examples. Who, who can the clay speak to the Father? That's exactly right. No. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's always people, I think in every generation, who are destined for destruction. Absolutely. Who will. I, how just you identify them? I, you were asking that, I was saying, I don't know how you identify them. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, not, it's not our... So you give examples... You're, but we can you, only you give should, examples. You should have asked for examples, not how. Right. Who, who is it? Because right. I'm like, I don't know. Examples in the Maybe past. Examples in the past, we certainly have. Examples in present? I 
We can't know. We can't know the, who can know the heart of man? The Holy One, blessed is He. Can you imagine? Here's a guy that the Apostle Peter says is sometimes really tough to understand. I think we're talking headache material for Peter from time to time. And he, as far as you can tell from the geography and the history we've read of Paul, I mean, the only thing we haven't read about is him leaving Rome and going to the northeast side of Greece for a little bit, spending the winter up there, and go back down to Rome again, sort of a a house arrest kind of deal. Um, There's not a whole lot of time that Peter and Paul spent together. Jerusalem, Jerusalem Council, maybe Pete went to Antioch for a little while, don't know. But Peter said that this guy is sometimes just really hard to understand. He grabbed these two young men up and sent them off on special missions. You you read through Acts and you find him being hidden away, smuggled out of cities, put up on a boat so he can get out of town quickly, and leaving the rioters to Silas and Timothy. You've got him visiting Crete and establishing assemblies there, having to leave so quickly and leaving Titus there to kind of establish elders and leaders, which he does the same thing with Timothy. He met these young guys, saw something in them, acted like a father in the faith, brought them up, and they were great in the faith. Is there, any, is there any difference with us? Learn the scriptures. Step up. Let's do what needs to be done. Whether it's teaching our families, teaching others. Either way, we should be the examples to whom people can look. Just like Tim, just like Titus. Which I, I can't figure out what they call him for sure. Tiny? Tiny. Ty. Ty. Tim and Ty. Yeah, I like it. All right. Oh, who wants to pray for us? Thank you, Gregory. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Avinu Malkinu, our Father, our King. Thank you again for the privilege of studying with these men, and for opening our minds to scriptures to understand them more fully, so that we can apply them to our daily walk, everywhere we go. We pray, Father, that you would bless this household and bless my father-in-law for his time and effort spent in preparing these lessons for us and diving into the Gospels and, and teaching us so eloquently. Father, please bless the work of our hands this week. Be with us and and strengthen our, our faith in you every single day. And Messiah Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. Next week's lesson, you got to just look at it real careful. I left a little nugget there that's not in the study guide. You're just not going to believe this. But I can't tell you about it now. By the way, as far as I can tell, the omnipresent God is always, always with us. Yes. Yeah. So right. that's, that's exactly. good. That, it's, uh, it's good that you prayed that he would be with us. Yeah. 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 Not, not yea, the, yea not though I go to the ends of the earth, the depths of the sea. 
Yeah, I get it. That's, that's good. It was more of a, it was more of a